0: Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions, and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and welcome to Master Leadership, where we connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important topics to help us on our journey towards greater significance. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. Fred Joyle made the leap from being an advertising copywriter to starting 1-800-DENTIST with a good friend of his. Together, they built a company that grew to $50 million annually. The endless challenges they faced in expanding the business led to the simple philosophy, let's just make survivable mistakes. There were times when the whole business seemed at risk and what saved it time and time again were the relationships developed over the years. Whether it was with bankers, alliance partners, or just friends who stepped up with a quick loan. Their most effective strategy was to grow people in every position. Many VPs had started in the call center. It was a culture of learning and support, and it ran for 25 years before Google and other forces shrunk it to almost nothing. After several years of consulting, Fred recently accepted a CEO position with a startup, Social Smiles, because once was not enough. Our interview will begin right after messages from our sponsors. Have you been wanting to launch your podcast and just haven't found the right resources? I launched Master Leadership Podcast in 2016 and it now ranks in top 1% globally. I've gathered all I've learned and created Master Your Podcast in a weekend course on Master Your Swag app so that you have everything you need to share your voice with the world, minus those excuses. So download Master Your Swag app on Google or Apple platforms to access the Master Your Podcast course and launch your podcast this weekend. Welcome, Fred Joyle. How are you?
1: I'm fantastic. Great to be here, Lily.
0: We're excited to have you on our podcast. Are you ready to pour into our listeners?
1: I'm ready to give them all I got.
0: All right. So tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now.
1: So I didn't really see myself as an entrepreneur at first in life. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. But eventually, when I got my first real job, which was in an ad agency, I really loved the environment and the job itself. But the career arc was horrible. You zoomed up into your forties and sometimes early fifties, really making a lot of money. And then they laid you off and you could never get another job again. And so I said, I'm not going to let that happen to me. And I also realized I wasn't a particularly good employee. And so I really needed to have my own business and live and die by my own decisions. And so I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to start a company called one 800 dentist. A friend of mine had the phone number and I was young and dumb enough to think I could pull it off, basically. And I had a, another good friend who wanted to be my partner. He was a stockbroker and was tired of losing money for people and said, let's do this. And it just worked out way better than we ever imagined. And it was a constant learning process in leadership. But we had each other and we had our core principles, which was basically we wanted a place where we wanted to go to work every day. And that's what we created. We were creating culture long before people talked about it. And we also wanted our customers and our employees to win as well as us. And that became another guiding principle because we had been in businesses and done sales jobs where for you to win and make your commission, the customer loses. Right. And so those were our priorities and profit was always third. And we kept it that way we built a business that eventually was doing almost 50 million dollars a year and stayed at that level about th- almost 30 years in and then slowly declined you know and there's all sorts of twists and turns along the way obviously and all of them learning experiences and i became a student of leadership because i knew i didn't really understand it and so it was constantly growing and looking at my mistakes and figuring out how to guide people, not micromanage them, not kill the messenger, things like that, that took time to learn.
0: There's so much here. First of all, the fact that you had the foresight when you were in the ad agency industry to see your future says to me that you can envision things that maybe others don't. Sometimes we're in it and we don't see it because we're in the picture, right? You understood yourself not to be a good employee from the beginning. What did that
1: look like? I knew that I wanted to make my own decisions, make my own choices. You know, and I had good bosses and bad bosses along the way because I worked in several jobs before I settled on advertising. And I really understood how a lot of businesses work because I worked in so many of them. And I saw so many different types of leadership, most of them inadequate, to bad, somewhere in that range. And I thought, why am I letting somebody else decide my fate economically as well? And I had more than one person who was a good business leader say, basically, you're never going to get the kind of success that you're looking for by working for somebody else. And so my partner and I both had this attitude of we're young enough to try this. We don't have that far to fall because we didn't have kids. We didn't have wives. We didn't have expensive houses or cars like that. And so we were able to take the risk because we said, look, I could either be poor or wealthy, but middle class will kill us. So let's take a shot on being wealthy. And it just worked out. But we were going to be happy either way, but we were not going to be happy not trying.
0: So that led you to 1-800-DENTIST, which I think we've all heard of. And your core principles are really interesting. And I love that you took the learning. You just didn't ignore it. You understood you had this awareness. You took that learning into creating one 800 dentists, and with the core principles of having a great place to work, of making sure that your customers and your employees were doing well and profit. The final thing you said in your story was that you are a student of leadership. And I value that so highly because I continue to be a student of leadership. As much as I know about leadership, the more I know, the more I realize there's so much to learn.
1: Yes, it constantly expands beyond you. There's always the next tier. And the more you learn, the more your eyes open, the more comfortable you are mining your past and the repercussions of your various actions along the way and the more you're willing to get feedback. That's one of the biggest things about becoming a leader is this appetite for feedback, to thin your skin enough to take it. You know, and I tell people like, look, I want your criticism. I want your feedback. I'm going to give you the wrong reaction first. <laughs> so sure. I know that that's brief, but sometimes I have to overreact, but then I'm going to process it and listen and learn from it. So that's like the biggest step. And then once that happens, that's when you find out there's no ceiling to your growth and yeah. to how you can influence people and have more impact on the people you work for with that work for you. And that's sort of a big transition too, is when you're realizing you're working with people and they're not working for you. When that happens, your level of appreciation becomes much clearer and much better expressed to those people. And Gary and I got really good at letting, particularly the people in the call center, which was the baseline of our team, letting them know and making all of the executive team and administrative team know That we relied on what that call center did. They made a living for us, they manufactured our product, and we were constantly letting them know that we appreciated that and that we valued them. I actually would meet all of the new operators as we would hire a team and put them through training. I would go in, usually on the second or third day, and basically tell them the history of the company, the principles of the company. And then just let them ask questions. And I would usually ask them, what was your worst job? And then I would tell them my worst job. And many of them said, wow, I've never had a job where I met the CEO ever. So that impacted them. And our call center had half the average turnover of a call center. And I think it was because of the way we treated them and we respected them and the value they brought to the business.
0: That's so commendable. You value others and you're grateful. We know that change is inevitable, but growth is optional. So not everybody chooses to grow. You mentioned having an appetite for feedback and you have to cultivate that. You have to really grow that because not everybody has an appetite. You know, it doesn't matter the age. It's something that we have to be intentional about doing. And clearly that's where you are. And I so appreciate that. What is it that you're doing now?
1: There's two things I'm doing. I wrote a book on how to cultivate the superpower of boldness because I started out as a very shy, underconfident person, missing all sorts of opportunities. And I had to teach myself how to become bolder, one, to run a business, but two, to just not miss all the opportunities that come to you in life. And I realized that I could teach that. It came up as an opportunity to teach high school kids my life lessons. And one of the things I said is boldness is a superpower. And they said, that's great. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I said, all right, I'll write the book. I'll figure out how I did it. And that's what the book became as a way that anyone can grow their confidence and boldness from wherever they are. And I'm still growing that. I'm still building my boldness muscle and expanding my comfort zone. Along with that, I recently became CEO of another company. Friends of mine actually licensed this software product. And then they called me and said, we just licensed this and we think you're the perfect CEO. And I thought about it for about 10 minutes. I tried to play hard to get, but I couldn't. They knew I was too excited (laughs) because I've been doing a lot of coaching and investing and things like that. And I was eager to build another business to take it to the next level, knowing what I already know about being a business person and a leader to say, I know all the mistakes I don't have to make this time. I'm getting another swing at that to create a new organization. And of course, now I have to learn how to deal with a lot of virtual employees and all of this whole new world that we have. This is a software company that streamlines the process of generating customer video testimonials. That's the short version of it.
0: Right, so you mentioned making mistakes. As leaders, that's where we can grow. But you talk about making survivable mistakes. Like, how do you distinguish that?
1: Richard Branson talks a lot about covering your downside, like every risk you take, are you protecting your downside somehow? So people say, oh, he's just a high risk person. And he said, no, they're all very calculated. Like when I started the airline, I had a deal where I bought one plane from Boeing, a used 747. And my deal was in three years, I could give it back if the airline didn't work. So he covered the risk in a creative way. And so you're going to make mistakes. And In fact, if you're not making any mistakes, your business is growing pathetically slowly. Usually it's all the history of mankind is mistakes. That is how we have become the dominant species on the planet is we learn from our mistakes and we teach each other and subsequent generations how to not make those mistakes. And so it's just a matter of saying, we need to take this risk. What happens if it goes wrong? And a lot of people start a whole business and they never ask what could go wrong. They get so excited about the idea that they don't ask, well, what if a competitor figures out how to do this in half the time at half the cost? What if the marketplace has a lukewarm reaction to it? What if the formula is actually not profitable. What if it costs me more to get a customer than I can make from that customer? It's much more comfortable to not ask what could go wrong because you Oh, I don't wanna take a negative viewpoint. You have to, things will go wrong. You will launch and the marketplace will do fascinatingly unexpected things that you have to find a way to survive and learn from. And sometimes you don't, sometimes the business doesn't make it and you have to learn from that business That's your survivable mistake is you didn't die and maybe you lost all your money. Maybe you went bankrupt, but that's still survivable. It's a big mistake, but it's full of information. Stacks and stacks of information. Success has much less information because you could have gotten lucky. Your timing could have been right. Just a bunch of things fell into place for you and you just think you're brilliant. But everything that you do wrong has something in it that says, look at it. This is why this happened.
0: Words of wisdom spoken from a guy who's gone through it, right? You've gone through the ups and the downs. And I love the fact that, you know, when we have an idea, and I read this in a book recently, Persuasion by Cialdini, where he talks about vetting that, like, yeah, you can have a great idea, but you've got to look at what could go wrong. You know, exactly what you were talking about. So Super Bold, your book, From Underconfident to Charismatic in 90 Days, where can we find that?
1: That is on Amazon. It's in hardcover and Kindle and Audible. And it's me reading the book. And it's a book about taking action. It's not just something to read. You'll get a certain amount out of it by reading it. It'll change how you see confidence and boldness and realize that you can build your boldness muscle and stop missing opportunities and having regrets. But it's something about taking action. It is full of exercises that build your boldness muscle gradually from very simple to very scary to some people at some point, but you'll build up. And that's part of the principle of the book is to control the intensity of it, control the dosage of your growth, your ventures into your discomfort zone to get stronger. So that you're bold when it matters most. Being super bold means even if you don't feel confident, you can act because you know how to take action because it matters and you don't want to miss this opportunity, whether it's meeting somebody really important or the person of your dreams or the business person you always wanted to talk to or somebody you just wanted to express your appreciation or admiration to or It's taking a chance on business. It's getting up in front of an audience and speaking about your business, raising money. I know so many business people that when they pitch their business, they know the business so well, and they're really excited about it, but you don't get any of the passion from them because they hold back when they present. I was like, I don't speak well. Well, guess what? Learn to speak well. Learn to speak really well in front of people or you're going to be broke. It is a life skill that is essential. you got to be able to walk into any room and feel like you can command it, like you can walk on any stage and say, this is my stage and I've got some great stuff to tell you. You'll be nervous, but you can still do it.
0: And the tricky part, the harmony there would be to temper that with humility. As well, because humility and wisdom are very connected. I love Super Bold. I love that concept because it's about courage. It's about facing your fears and taking action. Clearly what leadership is about. So thank you so much. Now, as a lifelong learner, what are you learning right now?
1: What I'm learning is how to run a business that is primarily virtual, at this point so how do i hold people accountable who are not all in the same building with me and how do i build a culture where i don't see them and can't just walk into their office and have a quick chat with them or get everybody in a room together now it's get them in a zoom room And it's different. The dynamics are very different. You can't pretend that that's not the way things are going and say, oh, it should be this way and we should do this. And whenever you use the word should, you're trying to change the past, basically, or you're trying to recreate the past, where as a leader, you have to be forward-looking. You have to say, how do I evolve to what the, the marketplace and the world and the workforce is doing? So this has been an extreme challenge for me because everything I did was all in the same building in my last business. So it's a lot of fun because I'm constantly examining myself and saying, why am I so irritated <laughs> and, and what do I do about it?
0: What a good leader does is really reflect on themselves and develop themselves. So if you don't do that, then you wonder where your growth is coming from. So I love that you do that. I love that you're looking at yourself to see how you can elevate others. I know when I started this, I'm in the education space. And oftentimes, the professional development is about sit and get. And then we became virtual and it was even more of that. And so I had the responsibility of how can I become a fountain of living water as opposed to stagnant water? And so I had to develop that. The onus was on me, not on them. I've absolutely been growing in that area and continue to grow. I love that you continue to grow.
1: Yeah, it's painful, but in the end, it's short-term pain versus serious long-term pain because the real failure comes when you will not adapt. You know, we live in a rate of change that is constantly accelerating and adaptability has got to be your number one life skill or you're doomed. You will become a dinosaur.
0: And so, Fred, where can our listeners connect with you?
1: fredjoyal.com j-o-y-a-l no dots or dashes or anything like that so you can find out what i'm doing see some lectures i've done on boldness and marketing and book a half hour conversation with me if you want to we'll talk about whatever's going on if you're trying to figure out how to build your boldness muscle and of course read the books and i'm starting to do workshops around the country two-day workshops that are really accelerate your boldness growth. I did one recently in Santa Monica, and I was so impressed with how daring the people were. And then I thought about it and went, well, they did sign up for a super bold (laughs) workshop. So that's a pretty bold move right there, not knowing what the heck it was going to be. You know, I have two missions. I want to make Social Smiles, which is my video testimonial company, an enormous success. But I want to help people to summon their boldness and not miss opportunities when it matters most. I am deeply passionate about teaching that to as many people as possible.
0: And that is absolutely clear in how you speak to us. And so thank you for that. Now, Fred, when you think of leadership today... What most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about?
1: I see the lack of compassion from the business owner and the top executives with the people that support their business. You know, a a lot of times people would come to our business and they would say, you know, you and Gary could make a lot more money if you did this, if you cut this benefit, if you did that and did that. And we said, yeah, but we wouldn't be happy standing on the shoulders of people while they're underwater so that we can make an extra hundred or two hundred thousand dollars a year. And I see way too much of people aggregating wealth beyond what they could possibly be happy with. If you don't learn the lesson that beyond around two or three hundred thousand dollars a year, your happiness increases in tiny increments. By more money. But if you don't transition to how do I have greater impact on the world? How do I make the world a better place? How do I make my workplace a better place? How do I grow people? I mean, we were passionate about growing people. Just to give you an idea, we had two floors. We had the call center on one floor and then all of the marketing and advertising and sales and customer service and admin on the second floor. And All over the doors on the second floor were little stickers that said, I started in the call center. There were VPs who started in the call center. And so deep in our DNA was we're growing people. The first people we want to give opportunities to were the people in the call center who said, challenge me. And of course, they knew how we made our product better than anybody because they had taken thousands of phone calls. They had helped all of these people find a dentist. And then they made incredible customer service people, for example, or salespeople because the potential customer could say, I don't know if this works. And they could say, look, I've answered 5,000 phone calls in this business. It works. They come from a place of absolute confidence about the product. And so This is the kind of thing that I'm still learning from is that when you appreciate your people and you can have an impact on somebody's life. My last week at work, every month we celebrated birthdays and anniversaries. I celebrated three 25-year employees. In one month, three people had hit 25 years of employment. They had given me their entire adult life. And I got to show my appreciation. I get to stand in front of like the whole team and say, I am so happy about what these people have done, the great life that they have given me. And hopefully that they have given themselves here. Cause you don't see that. You don't see people staying 25 years in a business anymore and they weren't ready to go. But that inspires other people that say like, wow, this is a career. I don't have to go anywhere. I can stay here. Made it a great place to work.
0: Yes, exactly. This is a great place to be. And I love how you focus on growing people. Growing profit is important, but not at the expense of growing people. I can see you as the CEO of Social Smiles doing amazing things there because I'm going to say the four letter word. It's all about love. Yeah. Um, you don't say that much, you know, in the corporate world or in organizations, but really people want to know that you love them, you know, that you care about them, that they can trust you and that you can help them. Now, what are you most hopeful about when you think of leadership?
1: I think we are evolving a new group of leaders, a new generation of leaders that care as much about their impact on the world as they do their own well. Are they making the world a better place? Are they making a product that serves humanity in whatever tiny way and is conscious of its impact, both short and long term, and they don't fall into the greed trap because it's very easy to fall in love with stuff. I heard an amazing thought. Comparison is the thief of joy. And that's what happens all of these Wall Street guys who who see the incredible money they make. They get a $50 million bonus that year. $50 million. And they're depressed because the guy across from them got 55. Wow. You should be insanely happy with that. And somehow, because you've compared yourself to somebody else, it's ruined it for you. There were times when we were first starting the business, At Christmas time, I would walk around and give all of the operators a $100 bill. And they were overjoyed. It was the difference between Christmas presents or not Christmas presents for their kids. So when you get trapped in that comparison thing, especially at that level where you don't know what the heck to buy, you're trying to buy a bigger boat. You're trying to buy your fifth house. You can only be in so many houses, probably two max. Otherwise, you spend all your time restocking your refrigerator and stuff like that and having people maintain stuff and there isn't joy at that level versus somebody coming up to you and saying I'm so grateful because I had the best Christmas ever or I'm so happy that we had this holiday party because I love working with these people as you say that love is important one of my longtime employees said every Sunday night his girlfriend would get really bummed out because she had to go to work on Monday at her job. And he couldn't sympathize oh, <laughs> her because he lot. says, I can't wait to get to work on Monday. All my friends oh, are there. God. And that's the way people felt. That was a revelation to me that we had achieved what we were trying to do. Because that's how Gary and I felt when we went there. It's like, yeah. I'm not upset about having to go to work. I can't wait to see what's going on. I'm I'm the same way now with Social Smiles. I wake up at 5.30 saying, I got to get to it. I got people on the East Coast. They're waiting to hear from me. And what are we going to do? How are we going to shape this business more and start to grow it?
0: So Social Smiles, that certainly is the name of what you will cultivate there. I'm super excited. I mean, that says a lot about your leadership, Fred, and certainly something that we can all learn from. Now, we have a surprise question from one of our former guests, Holly Daniels Christensen. She is the founder of Dune Jewelry, amazing jewelry, and an amazing leader. And so she wants to know, how do you stay motivated daily to fulfill all the responsibilities of leadership?
1: Well, the first answer is coffee. I'm one of those people that coffee makes me happy. Like I feel happier with caffeine flowing through my veins. But I think it's because I sit down every morning and I use a five minute journal and I write down three things I'm grateful for, then three things that would make today great if I get them done. So I've established in my mind what is most important for me to get to. And I know why, because I've put these three things down. And many times I have a to-do list of 10 things and it's 15 by the end of the day. And the only thing I've done is the first thing on that list, but I did it with complete focus and intention exactly the way I wanted to do it. And so all the other things, I will get to them. I'll get to them tomorrow. I'll reprioritize them. But I knew what I wanted to get to. And something may bump into the day and assume higher priority. There's always that flexibility of saying, I need to reorganize the day because this thing has taken first place. And I'm going to shift on that and put all of my energy into that. I love focus. Distraction is the enemy of perfection in my mind. I'm very comfortable shutting everything off and not checking email for three hours if I got this thing to do. I've gone three days without any sort of communication and you realize the earth doesn't move off its axis. Everything is okay. So it's important not to be a slave to your notifications. It's actually, I think it's one of the most destructive things that happens in business is with these people with every notification is on. When I have my virtual meetings, it's phones off. We're talking about this.
0: I love all the information that we're gleaning here with you today. Now, as a listener of this podcast, Fred, what's a question that you would like a future leadership guest to respond to? Like, what are you curious about?
1: I'm always curious about what would happen if your business got twice as large as you imagined it to be now right now, I think social smiles could be easily a hundred million dollar a year business. So what would keep it from being 200 million? And I have to ask myself that, why is my ceiling a hundred? Why is it not a billion? Because when we when Garrett and in I started 800 dentists. We were like, geez, if we could only make a hundred thousand dollars a year, that would be amazing. <laughs> you know, and, and we laughed and now I'd say, imagine if you could live on hundred grand, that would be amazing. So what would it take to double what you imagine your business to be? And what's the belief that you have that put that ceiling on it?
0: Love that question. I will certainly pose it to our future guests. Now, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: As I said, cultivating boldness will transform your life because when they ask old people what they would do differently about their life, they don't have regrets about stuff they did or mistakes they made. It's all regrets about things they didn't do, things they didn't say, things they didn't try. So that's why I want people to be bold because in the end, being bold is the difference between success and failure, between love and loneliness, between regret and fulfillment. That's what I'm trying to help people to do And that's what I want people to understand is you're in the game of life, but you don't know how long the coach is going to let you play. So Fred, play full out.
0: Play full out. I love that I love that energy. I love that love that you're bringing. Super bold, from underconfident to charismatic in 90 days. We can get that book at Barnes and Nobles, at Amazon at Fredjoyle.com. Fred, I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. It's been a fun conversation.
1: Thank you so much. Lily. It's been a pleasure.
0: In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time. Continue to ignite that leader in you.